welcome to another episode of Ask the Doulas with Gold Coast Doulas. I am Alyssa, co-owner and postpartum doula, and today we're talking to Kristen, my other, my the co-owner and birth doula. Yeah, um, birth and postpartum. Yeah, she interviewed me last episode about kind of my journey um, throughout pregnancy and what made me want to become a doula, and today we're going to talk about her journey and what made her want to become a birth and postpartum doula. Yeah, so I um, had kids later in life, so I got myself into that high-risk category by age. I was 36 with my first pregnancy and had my daughter at 37. And I had a really great um, pregnancy despite a high-stress job in political fundraising. And I, my nurse midwife kept saying throughout the pregnancy that I was having the perfect pregnancy and there were no worries. My health was great. My diet was great. And I planned myself the perfect natural um, birth. And so I took Lamaze classes. My husband and I practiced. I watched all the documentaries, read all the books. And I like to plan my way through, you know, life in general and thought that everything would just be the way I wanted it to be. And at 37 weeks, I got diagnosed with preeclampsia, my blood pressure was rising. That was the first of the signs. Um, and so I got put on modified bed rest, which was super stressful for someone who felt like I had to do a million things before baby arrived, getting all of the things ready, the car seat installed and running all the errands and finishing up work and all of that. And so I had to really take it easy. And every midwife appointment was beyond stressful because you get, you know, the blood pressure check. And so I was nervous about that. And Which made to your blood pressure. So it made it worse. <laughs> and so they kept watching me. And every week there were more and more signs. And so I got put on full bed rest, um, which was really frustrating. And I was lucky enough to live above, for those of you that live in Grand Rapids, we had just moved back from Lansing and I was living above the electric cheetah mm. and we had this place that was, you know, very modern, no rooms and open the first tenants. And then all of a sudden, you know, we get married and pregnant and, you know, it, there wasn't a whole lot of room for a baby and not the ideal place to be pregnant. But the staff at the electric cheetah became like neighbors since we didn't really have neighbors on wealthy street. <laughs> and so they would bring up food to me when my husband was at work so and nice. serve it to me on like their fine China. And so he would call in different meals for me and they would bring it up to my place. So nice. Yeah. So it was amazing. So that's how I handle bed rest. I certainly could have used a postpartum doula. I didn't know what one was back then. My daughter's almost seven. And so that wasn't something that people really knew of or antepartum for bed rest, but it's all very similar as yeah, far as most of our postpartum doulas do bed rest. Yes. And our birth doulas do yeah. some of that as well with birth planning and yeah, diff- some of the different aspects related to getting ready for birth. Um, so yeah, I didn't have a bed rest doula or I'm, anything like that. I'm wondering for those who don't know much about preeclampsia, um, like besides high blood pressure, um, why do you have to be on bed rest? And for someone who might be worried about it or somebody who may have it. Yeah. I mean, essentially they don't want you to be too active. So the 
blood pressure keeps rising. And what causes it? You know, I am not going to get into all of the medical end of things and women have it for different reasons, but of course, like they're worried about a stroke. Okay. So the providers are watching to make sure that mom doesn't have a stroke. They're worried about baby as well as the mother. Some women develop headaches. I did not. Some women develop swelling in their ankles. I didn't really develop that, but by the time I was on full bed rest, I had protein in my urine, which is another, they worry about kidneys and different organs going. Okay. So I was starting to have trouble with my kidneys and I got an induction. So I ended my bed rest with an induction in the hospital. And so I remember being overwhelmed. I didn't have doulas. Again, I didn't really know what a doula was um, with my first. So I called my Lamaze instructor. I'm like, how do we do this? I still don't want any interventions. Still working with the midwives. And it was very scary um, because I felt like I was alone in my room with my husband. And inductions can be long and boring and you don't really feel a whole lot. I had my membrane swapped the day before and went in and had Cervidil, um, which, you know, can be taken out if there are any reactions um, with the baby. And so mine was inserted and my daughter didn't react that well. So I didn't have it in as long as they intended. And things ended up going quickly, but I had a lot of back labor. And again, I was alone. I didn't want my husband to touch me because he couldn't provide enough pressure. I felt like I wanted him to just like punch my back. Like nothing was like firm enough. Um, and he didn't know what to do. He was just in over his head, completely overwhelmed, kept referencing manuals. We had to make all these decisions (laughs) as far as interventions and what's the best thing to do because my daughter's her, um, she had decelerations in her heartbeat and they were worried about her. And, you know, there was the threat of a cesarean and I was very fortunate in my journey other than back labor, which is an experience in itself. I didn't have any major interventions. I never had Pitocin. I wasn't on magnesium for my preeclampsia. I did not have, um, an epidural. I was able to move around the room and, um, you know, a nurse came in who certainly had some doula qualities about her and helped me move my baby. And we did hands and knees on a birthing ball on the bed. And all of a sudden she turned and I was able to push her out like this. I could feel her turn. And all of a sudden I was like, well, I feel like I'm pooping. <laughs> and Patrick's like, you're exactly behind you. <laughs> and I was like, can you just check? Because I think I'm pooping. And my daughter was born like four pushes later. And it was a crazy experience, an overwhelming experience. And I remember, and we'll get into some of my journey with my daughter after she was born in another episode, but I remember going into my midwife at the six week checkup and taught, and she was talking to me about family planning and what to do. And because I was 37 and had preeclampsia, it's like, there were big decisions that needed to be made if we wanted to expand our baby, um, our family, excuse me, to with another baby. And so, and I did, um, we had my, you know, we have my stepdaughter and then my daughter and we wanted to have a third child. And so my 
midwife recommended that we give it some time for me to heal, but that I should probably start trying when she was about a year. And so I got pregnant pretty easily and quickly, just like the first time. Um, I was very fortunate in that, but I was worried about getting preeclampsia the second time. There was a lot of chance um, that I would have that recurrence. And so I was watched through the entire pregnancy. And so I hired doulas before I even told anyone else. They were the first call I made and I wanted that support through pregnancy even more so than at the birth. Like I felt like if I could go through what I did without any sort of interventions the first time with preeclampsia and back labor that I could rock out the birth, but the pregnancy scared me. Preeclampsia, getting that again, scared me. And so they supported me through the pregnancy, gave me a lot of resources. I listened to my midwives. I did a lot of swimming, kept the stress down. I wasn't, you know, working in politics like I was before. I was doing consulting. Um, and, you know, I talked to lactation consultants because I was nursing my daughter through my pregnancy. And so I... So that's not a fail-safe planning method. No, it's not. <laughs> there are a I lot of people. Yeah, I know a lot, a lot of people do. No, it's not fail-safe. So, yeah, there were a lot of things that I felt like having doula support really um, helped me with during that pregnancy. And I had an amazing intervention-free birth. And my son was huge, but he had no issues. He wasn't in the NICU like my daughter. I never had any elevated blood pressure, no headaches, no signs of anything. Um, but I was on that high watch, especially because, you know, I was getting closer to 40 by that time, you know, 38, I had my son at 39. So I was definitely in that advanced maternal age category by then. So it was a journey. So I started becoming more and more curious about doula support, but I don't like blood and <laughs> I don't really like hospitals. I didn't. I do now. I, I didn't like hospitals. Um, I remember anytime my dad had a procedure in a hospital, I was always just overwhelmed by it. I didn't like to visit friends in the hospital who had babies. I didn't want to be a patient myself. I'd never had anything, no surgeries, nothing done in the hospital. And so for me to be a doula, where most doulas do the majority of their work in the hospital, didn't really make sense, but I was still fascinated by birth and everything to do with it. Um, so after having my daughter, I got really active in breastfeeding groups and brought a national nonprofit to Grand Rapids. We had a big rally and speakers, and that was phenomenal. And that started me getting to know other birth workers and I kept in touch with my doulas and I started teaching sacred pregnancy classes after my son was born because that book really helped me again to avoid preeclampsia with the mental and spiritual aspect of birth and really also to be intentional about my pregnancy because with your first pregnancy you can connect with that baby and there's so many special moments between you and your husband or partner and when you have a toddler running around or other children, it's hard to connect to your baby. So sacred pregnancy gave me that outlet and journaling and meditation and affirmations um, did so much for me that I decided to become one of the first instructors in the U.S. and went to a training with my whole family when my son was four months. So I had signed up for everything during my pregnancy. And I started, I promoted my classes 
because I'm an overachiever like you before (laughs) I even went to the training. And so I had a class set up like two weeks after I got back and ran the first class for my training class. And yeah, and we had this amazing experience in Virginia with Annie Dalter, who's one of my dear friends and the, the author and creator of the sacred pregnancy book and the sacred living movement. And that started my journey. I started teaching classes and my students wanted me to be their doula. Like, no, I can't be your doula. And they're like, yeah, you can just be at my birth, you know, spend all this time. You've been great. And so I started teaching, um, my classes under a doula collectives umbrella and decided that I was getting enough inquiries and I might try it out. And sacred pregnancy started a doula training program. So again, I took my whole family to Florida this time. And so I could nurse my babies and go through this training program. It was four days and very intense and a lot of journeying for me, um, in some of my fears that I had surrounding being a doula, especially with blood. Like it was pretty wild. Like we wrote our fears on each other's like body parts, the other doulas and, Mine was all blood, and everybody's joking because they're like, "There's no way you can be a doula. That's all you see is bodily <laughs> fluids. People are gonna like, you know, they're gonna be fluid everywhere. You just have to. I don't so know how, how do you get. get how did you get past that? I feel like I just set the intention that I could do it, and that there's that a that purpose it's not a behind deal. this. And like, and there was so much more to being a birth worker, and so my first birth, I feel like it was a sign, but my client had a lot of blood loss and hemorrhaging and so on. And I didn't pass out. So I was like, you know, I can do this. This is like, test this is a big test. And I, I rocked it. And I have so many husbands or partners that have that fear. And I'm like, I've been there and I'm actually a doula. Like, I don't, I never really like to be around blood. Like I would cut myself and freak out, but it's different because yeah, it's not a cut. It's not an injury. It's a natural, normal process. And so I became a birth doula and started doing some postpartum ceremonies through sacred pregnancy. I'd gone to another um, four day training this time in Georgia. And it was all about mother roasting and doing closing ceremonies and belly binding and herbal teas and herbalism, which I didn't get into all that much, but I really love the ceremonial aspects of the postpartum traditions and studying Malaysian culture. And so, but I kept focusing more on my love of birth and helping mothers through pregnancy and their transitions, especially specializing in high-risk moms, because that was my um, background, as well as moms who were seeking a natural birth. And so, yeah, and it was a year plus into my birth journey um, before I supported a client with an epidural. And the first epidural client I had, I was like, this is amazing. (laughs) Like, we had fun, music was going, I'm like, wow, this is like totally different than anything outside experience because I was supporting very high risk yeah. clients who were maybe even on bed rest their entire pregnancy had medical conditions. They were getting cesareans like that was scheduled. They wanted me to support them through that or clients who were either in a home birth or seeking and, you know, unmedicated birth and some had Pitocin and didn't choose an epidural. There were all of these factors, but I didn't have an epidural for a year and I was taking a couple clients a month. So that was yeah, a wild experience. So now I have like 
everything. But when I started out, I was, it was kind of one or the other high risk or someone seeking an unmedicated birth. And a lot of my clients were my students in class. Yeah. Which I was able to have this amazing bond with them for eight weeks with women connecting with each other. And yeah, so I just, I fell in love with it, but I feel like the postpartum end of things, um, is so needed as well. It's not just the pregnancy it's after and women feeling like they don't have a village and that they're alone. And I certainly with two under two was overwhelmed and needed support. And it was hard to go places with two and, you know, the store was a challenge and going to the pediatrician's office if my husband couldn't help in the winter because I had babies during, well, a Halloween baby and a mid-January. So that's not always that easy. Right. So I could have had a doula come along with me. Yeah. To the store or the pediatrician or whatever and bundling two young kids. And so I just, I dig supporting everything to do with the journey to be a parent and to expanding the family. And I feel like you know, women in traditional cultures, they have this village to rely on. They have a sisterhood. And here, especially with people being so transient, um, we don't necessarily have our families. People oftentimes isolate um, you. If you, once you have a kid, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to give you some time to just like deal with your baby. But really we need help. And so, and doulas do things that are different than what friends do or what parents do or other family members. We'll do whatever we can, but we're not just focused on the baby. We're focused on the mother and her emotional needs as well as the father and his needs, which can be very different in the processing of becoming a parent for the first time or the second or third time. So we focus on the family unit as a whole, which is so unique and so needed in my opinion. You can email us at info at goldcoastdoulas.com. Check us out at our website, goldcoastdoulas.com and Instagram and Facebook. We hope to hear from you.